Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, a San Francisco Giants podcast, which recently gained some notoriety by dropping 40 points on the Warriors at Chase Center in Game 1 of the 2022 NBA Finals. I'm Brian Murphy, former managing editor of McCovey Chronicles on SB Nation, and joining me this week is Kenny Kelly, former managing editor of the late great Beyond the Box score at SB Nation, and former contributor at McCovey Chronicles. Kenny, welcome. How are you? Hi. Thanks. Uh <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, I, I feel like I'm part of a select group of people who have been fired by <laughs> SBN twice. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, it's a it's probably a small list, the twice part, but that's it's still impressive nonetheless. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the uh, the forty points on the Warriors uh, in the fourth quarter, I I don't feel like it's too soon. I just wanted to mention that because. Um, as someone who's an NBA adjacent fan, it really struck me. So I hope it didn't bother you that I mentioned it. But that was a pretty spectacular meltdown, enough that it overshadowed the Giants' mediocre play this week. I feel. <laughs> um, oh yeah, it was it was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and we're recording this right before the game two nightmare or fantasy happens. We don't know what's going to happen with that this week. Uh, the Giants went four and three to finish off a. A 10 game road trip in which they went five and five. I don't know. It, it felt, felt very mid. We're going to get to that in a second. And that's going to lead into what I wanted to do this week, which is a sort of put Kenny on the spot and do a debate to see what it, what's exactly the problem with the giants. Is it the pitching or the hitting? I didn't leave room for the fielding. That could be something we talk about. We'll get to that in a second though, or in a bit. I wanted to just say that there are two things we have to follow up on from last week. And we talked about it a lot last week, these two items, but the fact that they have any sort of follow-up into this week is why I'm mentioning them. Those two things being Gabe Kapler protesting the national anthem and uh, Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham getting into it over fantasy football. Uh, I'm sure people who listened last week heard all about this. Giants fans already know about this. But again, two two things which is like, okay, that's that's one week story uh, have spilled over to this week. The uh, the Gabe Kapler one being that he came back out for Memorial Day because he wanted to make it clear he wasn't protesting. He didn't want to make it seem like he was protesting the military or anything like that. So he came back out He uh, for just that game, and now he's resumed the protest. He's getting the team to uh, basically work to fund or give attention to some anti-gun violence organizations. Farhan Zaidi had this to say about the entire protest. He said, I'm just thankful every day that I get to work with somebody who cares that much. I may not agree with everything he says or does on a personal level. That may be true of other people, but his passion, his thoughtfulness, and his conviction over the last few days, those are the same traits that made him manager of the year last year and have made him such an effective leader for our team and organization. Uh, Kenny, I don't know. I'm I'm not trying to get your political affiliation here, but just a give you a question about this. Uh, the Giants are both working f- to, you know, give notice or attention to the groups that Gabe Kapler feels are important, but then their ownership is also funding the politicians who want to maintain the status quo. So, <laughs> yeah. So it, it kind of reminds me of like, a like it's pride month right now. So like all the brands have come out with like their, their uh, positive messages about the LGBTQIA community uh, while like on the like internally they're like still practicing like discriminatory practices or they're putting out the good message but they're not 
like actually putting in that that work. They're not supporting the message itself, right? It feels very uh, so, American. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Lots of posturing, which like is not to put anything uh, against a uh, Kapler. Like I think, like I'm glad that he's like putting in this work and like making the protest. Like I don't think it's the least he can do. I think the least he can do is nothing, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it it does. I'm not going to say like it feels pointless, but it you know he's he's protesting lack of gun control and gun violence and like strict gun control is a very popular policy right like polling shows hmm. polling shows quite a lot that doesn't follow through but yes yeah yeah it doesn't but, lead to any more action right yeah but we're so you have a handful of congress people who get a, a ratings from the nra and those same uh politicians uh, get both loads of money from uh, Charles B. Johnson. Right. And it's and like. It's, I think it's tough uh, when you're just trying to watch a baseball game. The concept that I think I agree with. I understand where people are coming from when they say I just turn on a baseball game because I want to escape the world. And I think one of the curses of the modern digital information age is simply that we are cursed with knowing a lot more than we used to know. And I think curse, but I, I think there's probably benefits as the benefits might just barely outweigh the negatives because knowing where all the money is flowing or how the money interconnects, I actually think that's probably a net good for people, even though it's tough to hear most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> it can, it can be kind of hard to enjoy anything in America. <laughs> So I, I think the the part that really sticks out is is to me is simply that this is a direct, uh, I would say unintentionally. I don't think Gabe Kapler is doing this to you know throw sand in the giant's eyes or anything. It's it's like you said, it, uh, he could do nothing, but he he feels so strongly about this issue that he feels compelled to do something, and wouldn't you know it, he's doing it right on the doorstep of one of the primary financial sources uh, for someone who. I would. I'll get. I'll be very generous to the Johnson family. I'm sure they don't want children being shot in schools. I'm. I'm sure they don't want that. They don't. They simply don't. Aren't interested in altering the landscape enough to potentially prevent those uh, incidents from happening. But and I'm only based then on the actions they've. The, their money. Their action is donating money and contributing not just to politicians important to remember that it's not just that they're picking candidates they're actually funding PACs that spread messages that that spread political messages uh such as uh anti-gun control uh measures or trying to dissuade the idea of there being gun control so it's it's a lot more uh insidious than simply like oh well you might just disagree with what side of the aisle they're on but i think the PAC money it also really shows like no it's an ideology that they're also really behind um it's kind of unavoidable you can't really you can't really argue against that it's an unavoidable truth but uh, i think we should bring it up it's kind of a bummer to talk about but lead off with the show with that it's like we're putting kate we're putting casey mcgee at number one so he can't hit into a double play um uh, <laughs> And so the, the other follow-up, really interesting to bring it to here, was that we are not done with the, the slap because we found out that Mike Trout was the commissioner of the league. 
thanks to Tommy yep. Pham's mouth. <laughs> yeah, what a twist. <laughs> and uh, the only part about that that was two parts components to that. One, Tommy Pham apologized because that was supposed to stay a secret who the commissioner was. Uh, yep. The other part of it is that the Angels have not won a game since this came out. <laughs> yeah, and just the one on Sunday, they they were up four, uh, they were up by four runs in the eighth inning. Uh, you know, Bryce Harper is a full count, two outs, hits a grand slam, ties with the game at six. Angels get a run back in the ninth, and then they get you know two outs. Phillies down to their final strike, and then uh, Bryson Stott. It's a walk-off three-run homer. Just amazing. <laughs> his second his second career home run, I believe his first one was against the Giants. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Giants really got out of Philadelphia like in the nick of time, really. Yes, because that so. caused Joe Girardi to be... Yeah, so Joe Girardi was fired, and, and uh, basically uh, Bryce Harper was done with Joe Girardi, and that's why Joe Girardi was uh, asked to leave. Um, <laughs> Sean Casey has gotten involved to try to patch things up, but I just want... So Tommy Pham said, quote, Trout did a terrible job, man. Trout's the worst commissioner in fantasy sports because he allowed a a lot of shit to go on and he couldn't solve it all. This is coming from the same, yeah, same athletic article where they're like, where they specifically say no one in the league wanted to be the commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say that. Like (laughs) he like even says like, I didn't want to do it. I got shit to do. (laughs) And then he like, Completely denigrates Trout's uh, commissioner abilities. Uh, my, but my favorite part about that article was like just how little Trout wanted to do with this conversation. Uh, and it's funny because Trout's like the main criticism you can levy at Mike Trout is that he's boring. And then finally, a fun story drops in his lap, and he's like, "Please don't make me <laughs> talk about this. Please don't make me be fun." Can we just talk about the weather? <laughs> <laughs> Trying desperately to uh, lower the fun dial on the entire yeah. story. Uh, yeah, so that that to me, you know, it's not specifically about the Giants once we get into Mike Trout territory. But, you know, anytime you can link uh, the Giants with Mike Trout, I think is is worth doing. And, and that was a pretty amazing capper to the story. And, um, you know, maybe the, if the end result is that Joe Madden loses his job in, in Anaheim, I think that would also be pretty amazing, too. <laughs> yeah, just a, a ripple effect of managers losing their jobs. It would be that domino meme, the image. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like uh, Jock Peterson puts a 49er on the IR, then Joe Madden gets fired. <laughs> okay, so the Giants went 4-3 and three this past week, again, closing out a 10-game road trip, which started with losing two out of three in Cincinnati. They went four and three for the week. Uh, they took two of three in Philadelphia and then ugh, split in Miami. And I really think they had a chance to be uh, closer to uh, five and two, maybe even six and one this week because the bullpen yep. really, really puked and peed all over itself. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it, it was, was pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, it was really two disastrous innings that kept the Giants from going six and one there was the uh Arlene Garcia giving up uh his first runs of the year um giving up two two run homers uh to Nick Maton and Kyle Schwarber I think the Maton one had a had like a 30 expected batting average so 
little unlucky, but. (laughs) And I think that just it's because we had just named him the most trustworthy arm in the bullpen that he absolutely had to go in and, and just meltdown. But what were, what were the things that stood out to you for the week? Good, good and or bad. Uh, I think there was a overwhelmingly good stuff. Like, like you said, the results were kind of mid, but, uh, you know, the Giants, I think, outplayed the other team in all but two of the the innings, really. Um, the big thing for me was Jake McGee looking like his old self. Mm, uh, yes. Yeah, I listened to last week's episode, and you guys were joking that, like, like surely there's no reason to lie about the, him fixing his mechanics but like, I don't know. I, I think he fixed his mechanics. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking the whole time. <laughs> like he definitely had, he looked uh, fantastic. He looked, what was missing before was he just looked rough and you could tell like something's up with this guy. And then he comes out and he looks polished, like back to being a yeah, uh, reliever. Yeah. It's night and day. Like early part of the year, it was like, I don't know if Jake McGee is going to make it through the year, but now like, we're not doing a uh, bullpen trust rankings, but I'm going to put them <laughs> near the top of my list. Yeah, and if we were to go back and reevaluate that, I still am thinking Tyler Rogers is still towards the bottom right now. Yeah. He just is not quite looking quite as great, but you know what? Just back to your larger point that there are more good than bad. I, I would agree with that. I mean, the, the, the loss in Philadelphia really sucked. It just sucked. But at yeah. the same time, it's, it's kind of a guy who hadn't given up, up any runs, and that's the first time he gives them up in the year. It's like, ah, oh, they're on the road. It's like, if that's the meltdown that you're going to have. He, he didn't look great the night before. He kind of just barely got through it the night before. So, like, it wasn't – it sunk. It stunk, but it wasn't a huge surprise. I, and then just being absolutely dominated in game one by Sa- Sandy Alcantara, uh, that that was – I mean, the Giants looked like they'd never played baseball on some of those swings. Like, he was just baffling them. So, you know, but outside yeah. of that, they – outside of that, they, they had some timely hitting. They had some depth showing up. I mean – Donovan Walton both pitched and hit a grand slam in the series, which I wonder how many times that's happened. A position player's pitched and then also hit a grand slam in the series. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to ask Sarah Langs or something. (laughs) (laughs) And, and uh, yeah. And Jake McGee, I think that's a positive as well. I also, it also feels a little bit like maybe we are finally um, transitioning into the Kirk Casale area era. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he had that big home run uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, he did have a have an over five with five strikeouts in the uh, the blowout game, but hey, if he he timed it pretty well. <laughs> right. Well, and I to me the larger point is it's ridiculous to kind of you know it's this is how fans look at it though. It's sort of when I say the Giants are thirteen and two and Wilmer Flores starts at third base, that's absurd. But when when Kirk Casale's catching, the Giants tend to win more often than not. And that's been the case since last year. I, I believe he caught more shutouts last year than did Buster Posey. Um, and I, I don't know what I don't know what that means or what what's exactly going on back there. I don't think Joey Bart's uh, some embarrassing defensive catcher back there. Um, I don't know to what degree. I just assume that with the new front office, that nothing was left to players or managers decision. Every pitch was scripted, blah, blah, blah. But 
but perhaps that's not exactly the case. Who knows? But it's uh, it it makes a difference when he's back there, and I'm I guess I can only say that the results speak for themselves in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I think Casale is better than I think a lot of people would give him credit for. Like he got off to a really rough start both this year and last, and year, last yes. year, but yeah. like over the last calendar year, I mean, he's got a, a WRC plus of over 100, which means that he's, you know, an above average offensive producer. Um, and he's pretty solid defensively. Like he doesn't feel like he's a liability. He can frame pretty well. He can throw runners out pretty decently. Like, you know, it's hard to go from, from Buster Posey to Kirk Casale, but I mean, Kirk Casale is pretty good. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And and we mentioned, you know, the Giants, you mentioned they they had a blowout game. They won 15 to six. Uh, they they scored, you know, basically five or six runs a game on average the series. I mean, just averaging it out. Um, the mm-hmm. offense was not really uh, so much the issue. Uh, it, it did seem like, though, that one thing that has come up with them this year has sort of been, uh, score a bunch of runs either early or middle of the game, and then they just kind of shut down the whole rest of the game, um, and or they they go fifteen in a row where they're retired or or what have you, um, and I I feel like that's sort of an an issue that <laughs> that might bite them in the butt that seemed to happen to them basically in the NLDS last year too, you know it's baseball all that kind of stuff but I I do wonder if the Giants. Um, every part of the roster is sort of um, uh, oh, artisanal. <laughs> <laughs> like everything, there's nothing left to chance. It's not they're throwing raw talent in there. They've they've got all these guys measured to a certain point. Like here's how he fits here. Here's how this guy fits here. When we do this, we need this guy. This it it all seems very intentional. That's how they basically reduce the inefficiencies. They maximize the roster. That makes a lot of sense. But I do wonder if once a game gets going, there's a flow of baseball game that sometimes you can't math your way out of and you're stuck in talent situations, fatigue situations, uh, mental situations. And and it seems like by having everything platooned a lot, it, it the risk is exactly that, that you'll just stall out sometimes. And, uh, and, and, you know, most of the time they're able to get the, they're able to get the engine running before the plane hits the ground, but that you will have those, those precarious times where it's just like, what's, what's going on here. They looked so good two innings ago. Now they can't get anyone on base. I mean, they're one of the best Mm -hmm. teams at drawing a walk. You know what I mean? Like they're one of the better offenses and, and they could be shut down. But again, at the end of the day, they're on the road. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, the offense has been a little like feast or famine, like. They're, you know, second in the league in uh, runs scored per game, uh, but you know they they're pretty prone to getting shut out if they face a, an elite pitcher like like Sandy Alcantara. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, they they have some other weird stats about you know they're actually not that great against fly ball pitchers. They're better against ground ball pitchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just stuff like that where it's sort of like doesn't a fly ball pitcher mean a hard throwing? hitter or pitcher so that means against elite velocity they might struggle and it, it it's one of those things where it, when you look at these numbers or you look at their results four and three is not great but it's like yeah they're they're two bad outings by the bullpen away from from having one loss on their their buster sorry their brandon belt or lamont wade 
uh, back from from having an even more stable lineup um, that's mm-hmm. not requiring all this variability that could stall you out in the middle of a game. Um, it, it's just stuff like that. And we see that, yes, they, they require every part of the Buffalo to make this thing go. I'm using so many metaphors. Just bear with me. Uh, <laughs> you know, they have so many different components and they all have to basically be working. There's nothing that can go to waste. And so, uh, and then scrambling to replace those with the Donovan Waltons, you know, when you're getting down to the second and third levels of your depth, that's where it can be very frustrating. And, but you know, this week that, you know, that depth kind of showed up and, and it, and it was a really nice surprise, but at the same time, it shouldn't be surprising. It's all part of the yeah. point. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, Donovan Walton could have been the, the big hero this week with a bases clearing double on Saturday and then grand slam on, on Sunday that also hit somebody in the beans. That's like, right. We <laughs> oh, can't, can't forget that. Cannot forget that. Also throwing 40 mile an hour pitches. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, one more thing, uh, Jason Vossler. I think that's another guy I didn't I didn't yeah. want to leave out, who has like a 900 OPS and very very limited stuff right now. But yeah. I but I also just want to point out that they worked on his swing, that they that it looks like that was one of the things he worked on last when he just went down and came back up. Yeah, he uh, looked really solid. Uh, yeah, yeah, two home runs in the series. Uh, added another hit on Sunday. Played some really nice defense too. Yes, which has been been sorely missed on the Giants this year. That's right. And, you know, Longoria coming back and and uh, as of last week was hitting his stride. He had five home runs last week. And I don't think he really had that great of a week this week. But what, did I miss something? Is he is he just like dealing with an injury or they're just taking it easy with him? I'm not I'm not quite sure. Was it just matchups? I, I don't uh, think I yeah. caught that. Yeah. So, you know, but having having a mix like that, it really works. OK, so I put Kenny on the spot. I, I didn't give him a lot of time to prepare, but hope I'm, I, I've done this to you many times when we were in our McCovey Chronicles days where you'd still come out with some good stuff. We're going to come back. We're going to do a debate with no format, but what is the Giants issue? Is it, uh, is it the hitting or the pitching? Is, is that what's basically keeping them middle of the pack? So we'll get to that right after this break. The great debate is the Giants problem, their pitching or their hitting. I don't know if you realize this, Kenny, but there are now six playoff teams in the National League. There's three division winners and three wildcard spots. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. <laughs> and as the Giants beat writers have been point, actually all the beat writers have been pointing out um, that there are now 12 playoff spots in baseball and exactly 12 teams with winning records. Well, that was true until last night when the Braves won and they became the seventh team in the national league to move to uh, above 500, which, and that put them just two games behind the Giants, who currently occupy the sixth spot in the in the wild card, the third wild card. I mean, sixth spot in the playoffs. So, uh, and that's not even getting to the fact that the Diamondbacks are just a few games under five hundred. The Phillies could be heating up. Seems uh, it seems that the Phillies were primed to be a contender of some kind, or at least push for a wild card this year. And maybe ditching Joe Girardi has finally put them in a position where they can take off, or at least you know make some kind of a run. So the Giants' sixth playoff spot that I figured that's they knew that that's all they could get this year, so that's all they're playing for, is kind of at risk, is a bit in jeopardy, and we're kind of seeing that now in their. As we, as I described it, mid-play this week, they're 29-24, not exactly lighting the world on fire. Uh, so I wanted to get a sense 
if it's the pitching or it's the hitting. And so we're going to debate it. And I've given Kenny the task of saying it's the pitching. That's the problem. You stupid slut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, and then I'm going to say it's the hitting. And um, I just want to preview mine very briefly. Oh boy, did I pick the wrong horse? But anyway, (laughs) I was going to say like, you definitely gave me the easier assignment here. (laughs) Uh, So yes, yeah, like I said earlier, uh, you know, Giants are second in the majors and run scored per game. So it can't be the hitting, right? Um, <laughs> and then, you know, there's been a lot made about like, you know, the pitching's been pretty unlucky because like, you know, they get a million little squibber ground balls that go against them. Like, like in that Met series, uh, Alex Cobb, this happens to him like every single day. Uh, but you know, if it keeps happening, like it can't be an accident. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, I've got some pretty serious concerns about the defense, which is not helped by the fact that the giants like are pretty bad at striking people out. Mm. So right now the, the giants, um, as of Sunday have negative 18 outs above average, which, uh, is it's fourth worst in baseball. Uh, and it would, also be their worst in the Statcast era by a lot. Like their previous low was negative nine. So it's it's very jarring seeing the Giants be this bad on defense. Uh, I looked it up in uh, defense run saved and I, I don't have the numbers quite in front of me, but this is like their fourth worst year since uh, uh, 2000. Uh, you know, on like defense? it's still early. Wow. Yeah, on okay. defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, defensive metrics are like, you know, not always the most reliable, especially early in the year. Um, but these are these are team wide samples, and uh, you can trust them a little bit more than like individual things. But it's it's not like, I mean, you look at the personnel that they have, and it's they they got Jock Peterson and uh, Darren Ruff in the outfield. They got Wilmer Flores on in the infield. Um, you know, Brand Crawford is getting older. He's, I don't think he's like necessarily elite anymore, uh, even if he is like still a plus. Um, and then metrics don't really like Tyro Estrada, even though he looks pretty smooth. Um, but my task wasn't to uh, talk about the defense, it was to talk about the pitching. And uh, the Giants are 20th in strikeout percentage. Um, but if you only look at relievers, they're 27th in the majors. Uh, and part of that's because they got Tyler Rogers, who like isn't a, a strikeout maven uh, and never will be. Um, but they also had Jake McGee, who was really struggling to miss bats. Uh, Zach Littell is not like a huge strikeout guy. Um, Arlene Garcia and Jose, like Jose Alvarez to an extent. Uh, not really good at missing the bats, even like Camilo Duvall, who throws a hundred mile an hour cutter, like doesn't post gaudy strikeout numbers. Like he, mm-hmm. he posts good strikeout numbers, but he's not like, he's not, you know, going to strike out the side every time or whatever. Um, and I, I think the Giants were really missing that swing and miss, uh, especially on like on Saturday when uh, Tyler Rogers got into trouble in the ninth inning. Uh, they had, Runners at second and third with uh, nobody out, and 
you know, like I didn't think there was any way that Tyler Rogers was getting out of that, that ending alive. It was like, he's not going to strike anybody out. The ball's going to get put in play. It's really hard to, to get out of that situation. Like you really need a strikeout there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the Giants didn't go to Dominic Leone for whatever reason. Um, I don't think he had pitched in a couple days, so I think I don't think it was a pitch usage uh, issue or anything. Uh, so I think Rogers was hung out to dry a little bit there. Uh, but even then, like Leon is not like he's not going to miss a ton of bats either. Like his strikeout rate is good; it's it's a little above average, but he's not, you know, gonna he's not going to lead the, the majors in strikeouts for for relievers or anything. Mm-hmm. And nobody on the Giants is. Like they, they survive yeah. by by throwing the ball in the strike zone and inducing soft contact. Like they still got a pretty good uh home run rate against uh and they don't really walk anybody, so they help themselves in that regard. Uh but when they run into trouble because somebody muffs a play on defense or they have you know a bunch of like soft line drives go over the infield, then like things like really start like cascading because they they can't get that big strike out when they need it yeah i mean that's it being able to strike a guy out is is sort of the fundamental basis of being a successful pitcher and the less successful and the less good you are at that the less successful overall you you will be um absolutely so you're saying you know (laughs) It's it's a really nasty combination of bad defense and and inability to strike guys out. Um, yeah, pretty that's much. That's what it feels like. All right, that's a compelling argument. That's really actually quite solid. And I wonder if the the defensive part of it, you know, you kind of look at it as they had a chance to up their strikeouts by re-signing Kevin Gossman and signing Carlos Rodon. There is nothing that was stopping them from doing that. Um, and that, you know, I think all their bullpen flaws are exacerbated by having to come in starting in the fifth inning and you get one more guy in that rotation that's going to get you six more often than not. You know, although with Rodon, it, it's not a guarantee there, but, you know, it's yeah. you, you've got a situation there. Uh, I think that covers it defensively. Yeah, I think this ties- kind of uh He's kind of like on the opposite end of the ex- the extreme because he's like he's like all strikeout, so he like has to throw a lot of pitches. And exactly. Then he, you know, he can't. He struggles to make it through the like five innings or or six yes. innings. Yes, and he'll have games where he just can't strike anybody out, and they're squaring everything up, and and it'll happen. Uh, but the defensive part of it seems to tie into my argument that it's actually the offense, and I say this. Uh, I've already put the egg on my face. I put a, a cream pie on my face. I just, I just look r- ridiculous. The Giants have scored 273 runs, which is the third most in baseball. It depends on what the final score of that Dodgers Mets game was. We're recording this on Sunday. We're saying it's or it's Monday, but whatever. I, I last I checked, it was tied four um, four. The the Giants have the third most runs in baseball, fifth best OPS in baseball behind the Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, and Red Sox. They've walked the second most times in baseball, 298. Um, The Dodgers have 321. Uh, 
they, you know, they're hitting uh, top 10 in home runs. I think they have like 66 or so 65 and uh, they score a lot of runs. So they, they, they do well. They have all the top line stuff that you would look at and go great. Um, they're, they're, Statcast stats are kind of middle in the pack in terms of hard hit rates, um, but I think at the end of the day, the reason why I there are a couple of things I'm squaring in on, and I alluded to this when I was talking about the four and three week. And again, I'm going to sound absolutely insane <laughs> in the in the blogger podcast way. Okay, Donovan Walton's uh, grand slam today or yesterday happened in the fourth inning. That's the second home run the Giants have hit in the fourth uh, fourth inning this year. That's weird. And in the fourth inning coming into yesterday's game, they're hitting 152, 225, 230. Their, their stats in the in like middle innings of the game, it, it's like that's where the offense just shuts down. Uh, and I've lost completely the inning four through six is uh, 221, 297, 352. You know, uh, everywhere else they've got a – they've got non-base above 330. Um, Somehow in the middle innings, the second time through the order, that seems like they are uh, whatever. It's like they get adjusted back to the, the other team has figured out what they've figured out and is now just inverting, inverting the lesson and it shuts them down. So I think that's what propels. That's one part of the, the offense will stall. And if the pitching is not delivering um, when they need it to in the middle innings, that could be a problem. The other part of it was, again, I'm going to sound nuts. They've scored so many runs. I've got the harder argument. Um, but the other part, which I think is weird, is looking at their position uh, breakdowns. They have a lot of positions that are above league average, just using the baseball reference. They've, you know, above average compared to the rest of the league. You know, left field, right field. These are well above league average for hitting. Even shortstop uh, right now is is basically league average for hitting. Third base, second base, those are all that. But in order to hit, we're talking about why, what's the problem? Why are they maybe in jeopardy of not holding on to this playoff spot? Or what can they do to really improve their chances? Well, it's weird that they have a below average uh, league average hitting line for the DH position. And when you go down another level, the guys who hit at DH, they hit worse as DH than they do in their other positions. So the mm-hmm. SOPS plus in baseball reference is 99. The TOPS plus uh, that's is 91. So that's a weird difference there. Uh, center field below league average as well. First base mm-hmm. and catcher catchers just below, below league average. So, you know, First base, Brandon Belt comes back. Lamont Wade comes back. Darren Ruff comes back and starts heating up. That's a situation I would expect to change for sure. Steven Duggar, I don't know what's going on with him. If we're going to see him again, does he help get us to uh, league average? Does he help the Giants get to league average? Um, uh, the Fairchild, who the Giants have and Grant wrote about on the Athletic, you know that guy. He's mostly a glove guy, but maybe he could get hitting. Maybe that's an average. I'm basically saying that all the areas where the Giants was uh, uh, Fairchild was DFA'd. Ah, I missed it. See, Uh, so much happens in a week. They have so many um, things that they they have. Catcher Casale, I'm with you. I think he's 
it, he got off to an even slower start last year. I think it was, it took him until the all-star break to sort of average out his line. I think he was hitting like a mm-hmm. hundred through the first month and a half or two of the season, uh, which Buster Posey that covers up pretty easily, you know, having him as your primary, but you know, you get him to average, which he's basically already there. First base, center field, DH. The, the DH spot seems like that's a part where Farnsidey and Scott Harris would be able to have fun and it shouldn't be an issue. Um, so I, I expect they basically need all their lineup spots to be hitting above league average uh, if they're going to hang with this wild card, I think, because you look at the Braves, you look at the Phillies, right off the bat, offense is not going to be their problem. Is pitching going to be either of those teams' problem as well? Well, I think we all agree that the Phillies, thats it's much like the Giants situation. It's both the pitching and defense that's most likely going to let them down. But it seems like the whole point of their roster is that they've built in enough offense to potentially cover a lot of that. And if we're talking about the difference between, you know, if, if the Giants are basically going to have to fight for a wild card spot with 84 to 88 wins, I think that's where it starts to get into some real iffy territory of like, is Tyro Estrada going to be the guy or is Kyle Schwarber going to be the guy? You know, it's like, it's going yeah. to break it down in those ways where I think it gets tricky. So for a team that that prides itself on on scheming and rostering within an inch of its life, uh, it can't afford these these little dips, in, these below average dips in the lineup. But we're talking about four spots right now. That's a pretty significant chunk for a team that can't afford really any misses like that. So that's why I think the offense is at the end of the day they they should have those games they lost they could have also won uh, this week because of the pitching they could have also won if they'd hit a little bit more. That's that's yeah, yeah um, that's that's true. Like they, like Brandon Crawford got into a scoring position uh, because the Marlins outfielders just decided not to catch his fly ball, um, <laughs> and then I think there was only one out and they couldn't bring him home. But you know, it's a maybe they, you know, maybe they don't hang on because um, I think they only had one out uh, in the ninth, but. And I mean, they, they came back, you know, they had comebacks, they had 15 runs, but you know, they also had a situation where they're up four to nothing after the grand slam. And then the next inning, they load the bases, nobody out, and then they don't score anybody they, they just, they can't afford. I think that's the bigger part. Do the giants have talent? Yes. Undeniably. Can that talent afford to stall out? I don't, not really. <laughs> they have, you know, they have to essentially convert more of their opportunities to because they're they're competing with a, a much larger field than than um, than maybe you might have thought two weeks ago, um, but I, I never thought the Braves were just going to go away. Um, so yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. So it's I, think just, the, I think the Phillies are are better than than they started. Like I think that offense is pretty good. I think the starting pitching is is good. The you know Phillies bullpen is just never going to be good, but. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's also one of those things where you never know. It can you get it, it can be a hot hand situation. You can get one good guy who's in there. You know, you can get through if you get one arm that's going in that bullpen, let's say, and it gets you through a tough spot in the seventh inning, and then your lineup opens it up the next inning. You know that helps your team. You know that's another way to change the game. You don't necessarily need to have a lockdown bullpen for the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Sometimes it's just the right guy at the right time. You have a reliable guy. I feel like that's been the issue with the Giants 
bullpen has sort of been, mm-hmm. well, week to week, it's not clear who you can rely on. As much as Jake McGee looks great now, that wasn't the case before. You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah. there hasn't been one guy who's really asserted himself. I will say at the end of the day, Duvall has been probably, he and Brebbia have probably been the more consistent. Harlan Garcia has been consistent too. I mean, he's had a, he had a bad game. He had a bad two nights objectively. Yeah. So um, it's just, uh, I think that's just the case with all bullpens. They're just highly variable anyway. Uh, but bringing back the same group, that's, that's, that was a red flag for sure. <laughs> that was a big yeah. red flag. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I definitely could have done more on the off season. Yeah. And, and I think the fact that they thought we're smart enough that we don't need to, I mean, they could be. And I think it's, I think we just have to keep reminding people that, that no one told them they chose to do this, that they didn't get priced out. You know, they, mm-hmm. they didn't do any of that. And as much as people want to compare them to say that, Zaidi's importing the Dodgers model. I still think it's the A's model, but I'll I will allow this. One thing about the Dodgers model that would definitely make the Giants more closer to that than the A's is that yeah, the Dodgers, you know, when Friedman got in there, he basically spent a lot of money to keep the players they already had. And I think that is mm-hmm. definitely a difference between the Giants and the A's. But we just saw that. They spent all that money to keep a lot of the same guys. Um so we'll we'll yeah. see how it goes, but yes, yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't re- I don't anticipate a radical reinvention of the roster uh, for the trade deadline. If things look dire, I think they just uh, they stay the course and mix a match. So, okay, that was good. You you almost convinced me, but as someone who <laughs> wants to see the Giants score a thousand runs this year, um, I'm going to stick it with my side. But listeners, you can vote. I'll put up a poll, and you can. Check the check who you think is right. Um, Kenny, being the smarter of the two, would seem to have the edge here. But I don't know. I, I played to the emotions. We'll see. All right, Kenny, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I guess just my Twitter account. I've been uh, drawing recaps of the games because I, I can't write them for McCovey Chronicles anymore. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Kenny Kelly Words. And I would say that all of the pictures you've drawn are frameable. So if anyone wants to make a wall of Kenny's pictures uh, in their, in their home, I, I would encourage it and send us a picture. It'd look great. Thank you uh, so much for taking time out of your weekend to come and uh, hang out. And yeah, thanks for this. having me. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. We'll be back next week with an all new episode until then go giants. Go giants. <laughs>